This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Well, we're back again. We are. <laughs> and here I am feeling really guilty. You want to know why? Uh, I think I know why. Because I just ate a brownie and we're going to talk to a person about fat dogs. Yeah, you did. Yeah. You just ate a brownie I and I, I think I had three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. It's not fair. You're like 10 feet tall and I'm not. So I eat like one brownie and they're like, oh, look at her. She's putting on some pounds. You eat like three and they're like... Did you lose weight? I mean, it's seriously like my husband will sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and Doritos. Did I ever tell you the time that I thought he was dead on the couch downstairs? <laughs> no. Bless his heart. My husband is six foot four, weighs 250 pounds or something like that. But he was an athlete, right? And so you can't really tell, especially when, you know, guys are that big, right? A girl, like, they look at me and they're like, whoa. My mom would say, you could eat lunch off your butt. So um, that's not exactly what she says, but I PG'd it for you. But I came down, I was like four o'clock in the morning and he's not in bed and it's a school night, like a Wednesday night. And I was like, where is he? And I heard the TV on downstairs. I was like, oh dear God, because normally I go to bed at 11 or 12. He goes to bed at like one. And, you know, so when I wake up in the morning, he's there. It was four in the morning and he's not there. I'm like, oh my God, I hear the TV. I honest to goodness had to take a good 60 to 90 seconds to steal myself because I thought when I walk down there, he's going to have died of bad eating, a heart attack. He's going to have spilled his Diet Coke. There's going to be Cheeto dust all over the front of him. He's going to be dead watching reruns of Star Trek, right? Like, that's what I thought. And I walked down there and apparently that was on my face because I walked down. I was like, <gasps> And he looked at me and he turned his head and it was like <laughs> Halloween. Like you don't expect it. Like you go to a museum where they're like figures and then they look at you like my biggest fear. And so he looked at me and I was like, <gasps> and he's like, what is your problem? I thought, I thought you were dead. <laughs> he's like, why? I said, it's four o'clock in the morning. He's like, I couldn't sleep. And I was just tossing and turning. And I thought, I'm going to wake you up if I don't go to go downstairs. So he came downstairs to watch TV and he was wide awake. I was like, well, thank you. But now I'm awake because my adrenaline's going because I thought, dear God, it's going to cost me a fortune to buy a casket to fit you in because you're a large person. No, really. Um, but he'll eat and eat and eat. And then he's like, oh, I think I'm getting a little weight. And then like three days later, he's like, oh, good. That's better. I'm like, yeah. what did you do? He's like, I only ate half the bag of the Cheetos. Oh, How does that happen? No, I don't know because it doesn't happen to me like that. I'm sorry. That was just a little bit like therapy, wasn't it? Was. it? I'm sorry. Oh, you kind of just, you know, there was like a little verbal diarrhea, <laughs> yeah. but that's fine. I'm really glad. I'm like, like everybody's here for you, Holly. Everybody's here. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. That's true. You just had a whole load of sugar. And now you're like zip, zip, zippy. They say it's not true, but I don't believe those scientists. Sugar does affect you. <laughs> All right. So, of course, yes. this, this is relevant to what we're thinking of. Yes. Oh, what well, we're going to talk about. Don't feed chocolate to a dog. No, oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. It is true. But um, fat dogs. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I was on It's Me or the Dog, we did a <clears throat> show called Fat Dogs. And then in, then I wrote a book called Fat Dog Slim. And it was all about, you know, uh, diet, exercise, the right kinds of things to feed your 
your dogs. Um, but when I was doing research for that book and when we were doing the show, what I didn't realize is that, and that this was in the UK, in the United Kingdom, that um, a, a massive percentage, I think about 45% of dogs at that time were over, uh, were overweight or obese. Wow. Um, huge <clears throat> number. And so, and, and when I came to do the show in the US, and of course I met you and, you know, we all know about poor Kashmir with her, her, you know, all of the medical stuff that she's mm-hmm. had, including two new knees mm-hmm. um, and including arthritis. And it's very difficult to exercise a right. dog that has these issues. And also the, uh, uh, as the parent, mm-hmm. I say a parent because she's mm-hmm. my child. She's fairy, but she's my child. Sadie, she <laughs> take can, it out of context. That's what she's furry, yes, she, but she's she, my child. She is. And you know what? I'm proud of it. Um, <laughs> She came to she she came to our home when she was five years old, and she had been lovingly looked after by a very elderly lady who had passed away, which is the reason why she came to my house because she had no home. But she was fat, mm. and she was probably, I would say, probably about eighty six pounds, eighty five pounds. This is a chocolate Labrador, and it took me a year. Mm-hmm. To get her from 85 pounds down to her sort of normal weight, which was about 75, which was mm. still a little weighty, but that was 10 pounds of losing weight for that dog. And that was a combination of feeding well, um, exercise, because of course the lady was elderly mm-hmm. and she couldn't exercise her dog. So right. loved her dog, but couldn't exercise her dog. And we found that Sadie was hypothyroid. Which means that we had her on medication, but the hyperthyroidism in dogs, it's harder as it is with people for mm-hmm. them to lose weight. So I've had a dog now for 10 years that has been a constant struggle to keep weight off mm-hmm. and has anyway, the, like a, the body type. I mean, she's a, she's an English lab. They are, they are stocky dogs. Mm-hmm. So. For, you know, I understand what it's like when you are battling the bulge in your pet and the the amount of work it takes. So, but for people who overfeed their pets and mm-hmm. for people who overtreat their pets and who don't, you know, walk their pets or physically exercise their cats, for example, that that's a huge problem. And why? Why Why are people not doing this? Why are people overfeeding? Why do you think it is? Apart from we know that Kashmir had a medic, has a medical mm-hmm. condition. That that's. But why else? Well, it's interesting. I mean, she's food motivated. Where you know, because I have Barnsley, who's the coon hound. He could care less about food. You know, he and just, he's as slim as a rake. I mean, exactly. He's, he's a perfect. Weight. It's like Jack Spratt. Could you know? It's like Sean and I, right? Mm-hmm. And but she definitely is. Um, you know, she's. She's an eater. She loves food. And I'm emotional. It's anthropomorphizing. Yes. Right. Because I look at her and she gives me those eyes and, oh, I want a treat. And she's trained me to know where the treats are. And, okay, here. Or if I'm making a sandwich and I'm like, oh, here's the end of the bread. Instead of throwing it out, I'm going to give it to the dog. And I remember the vet saying to me, every time you do that, it's the equivalent of a Snickers bar, right? So how many Snickers bar? You give them three pieces of bread. It seems like bread because to you it's bread, but to them it's like three Snickers bars. So of course they're going to get fat, but it's emotional. It's a connection. It's, oh, I love you. It's great. And then she's too fat and she can't really walk. And it's that sort of vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, she's uncomfortable and then she's got arthritis and things, but totally because she's 
you know, I love her and so I want to make her the happiest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Of course. And then, and, and that's just, I mean, that's so normal. That's mm-hmm. so normal. And you're not being an irresponsible dog owner by doing that. You love too uh, much. Just being no- you're just being a normal dog owner. There are irresponsible dog owners out there that don't exercise their dog at all and they will just feed, 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 feed. And that's when the dog becomes grossly obese. Mm-hmm. And that's what our next guest is going to talk to us about because I love this man and I love him because I've been watching him on Animal Planet but I met him during Greatest American Dog which was a TV show that we did for CBS about eight years ago now and his name is um, Travis Brawson and he is a a pet behavior expert and um, dog trainer a wonderful man, and uh, he's just done this amazing show on Animal Planet called My Big Fat Pet Makeover. <laughs> and boy, are those pets on his show huge. Oh, I can't wait to talk to him. Let's go chat. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. It's a phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! Oh, well, I promised you, didn't I? I know, and this is really funny because normally, Travis, we do a podcast and nobody knows what we look like. And so it's like, oh, like the secret is out. It's like you've, re- you've revealed what's behind the curtain. Everybody knows what we look like now. It's all over. It's all I mean, over. Had I known, I would have worn the stripes the right way. <laughs> no, I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think you're <laughs> Oh, Travis, you're amazing. Well, of course, I first met you during Greatest American Film. Um, I love that show. Amazing show. Did they only have one season? They had one season. Just one. They like, could have had more seasons. It was amazing. Yeah. It was. It was. There was a lot of good things about it. There was some shady things about it. Totally. But at the end of the day, it was a great message. And Travis and Presley, his beautiful boxer, won. I know. Well we, deserved. I agree. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. There were definitely some contestants that were not happy for me, uh, obviously, but you know, that's the way it goes. Um, that's the way it goes, but it and learned right now. Much. Yeah. And everybody always asks me, they're like, so why did you become a doctor? And I'm like, well, Victoria Stillwell, obviously, duh. So oh. it was meant to be. Well, I, I was the really kind of snarky judge in that. I was. I was kind of the Simon Cowell. (laughs) What do you mean, shocker? (laughs) Every show needs one. Every show needs one. I know. I know. So I played it up a little bit. But but what has been wonderful that every Saturday night I've now been watching Travis on my big, fat pet makeover. We've been talking about dogs that are overweight and obesity in this podcast. And, you know, it, it is amazing how many people have fat pets. Tell us a little bit about getting involved in the show, how you got involved in the show and the work that you do. Sure, of course. So, you know, it all came about, the production company out of Texas, you know, came up with the idea and it all came from somebody on the production crew. Their family member had an an obese cat. I mean, literally 23 and a half pounds for a cat that should have weighed 14 pounds. And they just thought, you know, this is a show. And obviously, well, it was her in-laws. So there was like a whole show behind the scenes there. But 
you know, it really came down to, you know, when they called me, obviously being a huge issue, as you both already know, you know, 54% of dogs, which is close to like 41 million in America, um, overweight or obese, and then 58.9% of cats. Like, I just don't think people realize when they sit back and think every other cat they see or every other dog they see is deemed either overweight or obese. And unless it's medical, it's caused it's caused by us. Like there's no way around that. Um, so when they called me and asked me to do it, you know, I was just totally pumped and we shot the pilot, pitched it around animal planet, picked it up for our first season. We shot six episodes and, you know, I mean, really what I can say just as a general comment is that there's not just one thing that causes these pets to be overweight or obese. It's like a jigsaw puzzle and it happens for a lot of different reasons. And we can, when we address them all, we end up with the beautiful portrait of the healthy pet that people are looking for. It's a lifestyle change for the owners. What's the, oh, what's the biggest challenge, though? Because in full confession, I had an overweight dog. She was about 10 pounds overweight. Yep. Um, but, you know, part of it was she has arthritis. She has had her back and two knees replaced. And she's an American bulldog pit mix. So they tend to be stocky and they put on weight and she wasn't exercising a lot. We, unfortunately, she has cancer. So I've had to go to an all natural, all food diet. She's lost 10 pounds. But had I not done that, had that not happened, I don't, I don't think I would have known what to do. Right. So, well, sorry to hear that about the cancer. She'll beat it. She'll be fine. Yep. She will be fine. Um, the biggest hurdle and Victoria can, you know, attest to this is the owners. You know, it is, if we can, it's literally just lack of education. The people, I believe for the most part, they want to do it right. I always say there's a couple reasons why the pets are overweight. Either one, they don't realize it's overweight, which is lack of education. Two, they think it's cute, right? People tell them all the time, oh, it's so cute. So they don't do anything about it. Um, and I think between those two things, we have people struggling well, not seeking the education of, of how to figure it out. So for me, it was a fine line of not shaming them, you know, because I need them on my team to help them make these big changes. Um, but it was all about the education. And then the biggest hurdle, of course, for them to make changes, they feel guilty. They literally feel guilt for making a change. And they put human emotions on their dogs in mm -hmm. just a process of explaining to them that, you know, dogs have feelings, but they don't respond the same way that we do. And those emotions are always the same. So that that's the biggest hurdle that that I face. People feeling guilty about feeding their dog's legs. Yes. Or him out for more walks. Yes. They'll t so if they feed them less, well, they're looking at me, so they must still be hungry. Well, yeah. And that comes from they used to feed them more. So in their mind, they automatically assume that look is because they're getting less food. Well, the dog isn't measuring the food. The dog doesn't know he got a quarter of a cup less than he did last time. And so explaining to them that you can take that look and fuel it with something else, with exercise, with play, with action. Um, so with training, but even going outside, they would go outside and they'd go half a block and the dog would start to breathe heavy. And the owner would say, oh my gosh, they're going to, you know, they're going to have a heart attack or they're going to fall down and die. Let's pick them up and carry them home. You know, so where are the boundaries of walking that line of continuing the exercise and, and getting, helping the dog lose weight while you, you know, in, in essence, hold the owner's hand and letting them know everything's going to be okay. And this is just part of the process.
Now, kind of going behind the scenes, I mean, obviously we've seen the shows. Um, do you think the people are going to continue it? So one of the things, we use some new technology with um, the the tracker that we put on the collar, which would track the activity of the pets. Um, through that app, I actually still to this day, and we stopped filming Oh, I guess now it was probably four months ago, updates on who is continuing and who isn't continuing, which is very interesting. And for the most part, the majority of them are continuing. Um, obviously, Victoria, you, you've you done TV, so you get it. When I left some of those people's homes, I could have told you exactly who was going to continue and who wasn't going to continue. And it wouldn't have mattered if I would have lived in their home or not. You know, it was just that there's just some battles we just can't win as hard as we fight. But- can I, I want to go back to like the the owners, you know, feeling guilty yeah. and the pet parents like, but I will tell you that I think though dogs are savvy and they have learned behaviors because my dog Cashmere, who is the sweetest dog ever, will sit there and look at you and they point with their eye, look at the treat bowl, look at you, yeah. look at you intensely while you're eating and just give you that sad face. Like she knows how to work my emotions. She knows how to play me. So the dogs are a little complicit too, you've got to admit, right? I- Totally. And, and Victoria, I've seen plenty of your stuff to know I'm I'm just repeating after you. And again, when you invited me on your show, I was like, wow, she's having me on. I don't know why she taught me everything I know and really <laughs> knows more than I do. But I'll come on and just regurgitate everything that I've learned from her. Um, but they really do. You know, just like a baby cries, if you go to them every time. OK, well, that's a trigger. If I cry, somebody comes dot puppies in crates. If they cry in the crate and every time we go let them out. Oh, my God, I feel so bad. They learn to cry. Well, why wouldn't a dog learn to sit at the table where food is routinely given? You know, I tell my clients, when you reward a dog, you're rewarding two things, where they are in the environment and their state of mind. By the table and state of mind and, oh, my God, this is so great. Or, I'm oh, please. And they just go, okay, well, that equals this response. We teach behaviors the same way. Sit, stay, come. We teach them the same way. We get a behavior and we reward that behavior, capture it, and then call it a name. So they're doing the same thing. What I also love about the show is that you doing some training techniques as well. So it's yeah. not just about now we're going to teach you how to you know, not feed your dog so much away, but it's, it's training. And, of course, humane training. Absolutely. You know, that was one of the big things when I was brought on board is that this can't just be a pet health and wellness weight loss show. Um, not that it wouldn't work, but for me, it's more than that. You know, obviously with pressing on greatest American dog was building that relationship through the process of training and we call it training, but it really is bond building. And if it's done in that positive way, and I don't know that we talked about it on that show, Victoria, but before I was on the show, when I had Presley, I did everything incorrect. I mean, I made all the mistakes and I tell my clients and I'm like, that's one of the reasons I got into dog training is because I learned there's such a better way to be doing these things. And I, I learned from making those mistakes. And so, you know, it is, it's through that process. Every one of these dogs, if they're spoiling them with food, then they're spoiling them in plenty of other ways. And if we can bring those together again, that gives us that picture perfect um, healthy pet health doesn't just mean lean and mean health is mental as well. And, you know, you know, we, we have to, we have to exercise that as well. Absolutely. Tell us for for people who want to know more about the show, for people who want to know more about you and what you do, where would they go? Sure. So you can go to greatestamericandogtrainers.com. 
Um, and then the show you can catch on reruns the first season on Animal Planet, uh, my big fat pet makeover. Um, you'll you'll just catch it on the reruns. It'll be playing. Uh, there's six episodes, two episode, two pets per episode, following through following them through a four month journey of really making over their pet and getting their pet's life back on track to add up to at least two additional years to their life. Let me ask you a quick question. If you have a dog who's overweight, how, uh, I mean, it's not something you can fix in a week or, you know, because it could be dangerous for them to lose weight quickly, right? So what would your advice be, you know, patience, obviously, but, you know, is it, like you said, it's a four-month process for what you did. Is that kind of average? Sure. So, well, it's a, it's, it's good for a start. So the, the good rule of thumb is three to 5% for dogs of their body weight can be lost each month in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's somewhere between five and 8% for a cat of their body weight can be lost per month. So four months by no means, should you expect a, 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 you know, a completely different looking dog or cat if they're smaller, because that's just unhealthy. Um, for us, it was about that complete lifestyle change, not just feeding less, but what are you feeding? Having a, having a schedule and a routine to keep them consistent. I mean, that goes the same hand in hand with training, but it also goes, you know, with nutrition as well. So the four month was really just a journey of a stepping off point. And can they continue it on? And for me, you, what they learned with these pets, if they put it into action and see those results, they're going to treat all of their pets from here on out the same way. And I get emails and, and, and Facebook messages all the time about people all across America saying, I am literally paying more attention to what I'm feeding my dog. I've changed the way I've done X, Y, and Z. And you know what? That makes it all worth it. See, there you go. When you get to people, can I be on your show on the list? <laughs> I'm so sure. I'm so sure. Yeah, exactly. It's her fault. <laughs> she's a good cook. I bet. I bet. She's a much better cook than I am. Oh, there you go. Okay. Travis, you're amazing. Thank and you. I wish you, you know, long and successful career going forward. Now, you are New York based, aren't you? I am in New York City. And so, um, are you doing regular training in New York City? So, I am, yeah. So, we have uh, Greatest American Dog Trainers in New York City. Um, I have uh, five trainers that work for me. And uh, we're mainly based in Manhattan, and then in the summertime, a lot of our clients are uh, out east in, in the Hamptons, so we get to sneak out there um, in the summertime, but yeah, we're, we're here, so if anybody's watching, you know, they're in, in the city, look us up. Hey, in the summer, I go to LaGrange, Georgia. <laughs> LaGrange. I, I personally would probably prefer that, actually, so <laughs> let me know when you're there, and, and we'll join you. Yeah, done. <laughs> You're awesome, Travis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thank you both. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something. Can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. This season of Ask Victoria is sponsored by Zooks. You know, an important part of dog training is feeling a connection with your favorite four-legged friend. And there's no better time than the holidays to take life a little slower together. 
My friends at Zooks are all about sharing outdoor adventures with your dog, but this time of year, we both want to remind you to slow down a little. Maybe take a shorter hike and a longer nap on the couch together. Zooks' line of natural, trail-tested training dog treats are the perfect way to reward your dog as you're bonding. Check them out at zooks.com and follow at Zooks Pets on social. And let's go a bit slower, shall we? Now it's time to ask Victoria, the smartest woman I know, <laughs> some Only questions. About you want- Only about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot of other things you know too, trust me. Okay, let's start with Wendy in Florida. And she says, how do I get my dog to focus on me? When she's focused, she'll do all her basic commands, but in an environment that's distracting, such as the park, she'll only sit on command. She doesn't look at me when I ask her to lay down or come, etc. She just turns her head from me uh, or looks at everything else but me. And I, I guess that's pretty common, right? Yeah, it is common. You know, when a dog's in the park and there's so many other things to look at and sniff and smell and go and investigate, the last thing you want to do is have to focus on your person. And when we train or when we train cues, I don't really like calling them commands because we're not commanding these dogs from on high, as it were. But, you know, when we do, when we train with cues, um, we look for fluency. That's what it's called. So we will train, I don't know, let's say a dog to lie down. And we'll train that in an environment that's free of distractions um, or just, just less distractions. And then we'll gradually build it up. We will proof it so that it works in an environment where there maybe are a few more distractions. And then it's going to work in an environment like out on the street. And then it's going to work in the park. So you build it up and it's called fluency. So your dog is fluent at the behavior at home and its dog is fluent at the behavior in the park. It, it can, for some dogs, that can be very, very quick. For some dogs, it can take time. But it's it's when when you do go out to that environment that's got more distractions, you have to make sure that your timing is good so you set your dog up for success. By that I mean, if your dog is in the best smell ever, or if your dog is hanging out with a whole load of doggy friends and playing, <laughs> don't tell it to lie down. Don't suddenly give it a command. Hopefully you've got a re- good recall cue, but wait until there's a lull of the action. So yeah, let's just take a typical scenario, okay? Dogs playing with other dogs, and you want to get your dog back. Don't do it when the dog is actively playing. Wait for those cutoff signals where the dogs kind of have a little bit of break, where they might sniff, they might lick, they might yawn, they might scratch, they might do something. Wait for that moment where there's a lull in the action, and then call your dog back. Call your dog back to you. Give your dog the most delicious piece of food ever in the history of the world and then send your dog off again to play. Doggers get very smart. They know that when you call them back to you, you know, and then you put them on the lead that, hey, she does that every single time. She calls me. She calls me. So I'm not going to come back to her. So change it up. Coming back to you doesn't necessarily mean the dog's going to be put back on the leash. Coming back to you can sometimes mean, hey, go play again. And you get something amazing, too. So. The whole focus attention thing is you have to wait for a lull in the action to get your dog's focus and attention. And you have to also really consider the environment and the dog's comfort level in the environment. For example, if I'm taking my dog to a park, I'm not going to ask my dog to lie down on its belly. That 
that action compromises that dog's safety at that moment because it's lying on the ground. And so if my dog doesn't do it, it's not because my dog's being disobedient. It's because my dog doesn't feel comfortable enough to do it. So be really aware of the kind of things you're asking your dog to do. Make sure that you have motivators. Not all dogs are food motivated, but if they are, the best, best stuff that they only get when they're outside for attention. And if they are not food motivated, then a toy, a squeaky toy or something or a game. Build that up in the home first before you take it out. Again, it's got to be fluent in the home first. The dog's got to know the game before you take it out into this other environment. And play the attention game, which is... Uh, capture attention. So each time your dog looks at you in the home of its own volition, good. Don't always have to give it a piece of food or a toy, but always mark it. Good. I like that. Um, and so you're capturing attention. And then also you can call your dog. Maybe, I don't know, let's say your dog's Rex. Rex. And then as soon as Rex looks at you, Rex gets a piece of food. So you're actually, not only now are you capturing attention, you're actually asking for attention. And so you can build that up so you can use it outside. Perfect. Okay, um, here's a question totally different. This is from Lori in Texas. And Lori says, my 15-year-old dog suddenly became afraid to sleep in the house at night. He slept in my room all his life with no problem, but then one night about five months ago stood and stared out the bedroom door and then repeatedly pawed at my bed. I eventually had to put him out at night. He sleeps in the garage now. I'm worried about it when it gets cold. I'd rather have him inside at his age, but I've tried leaving lights on and two different anxiety meds that did not work. How can I help him? You know what? You listen to your dog. Mm-hmm. You listen to your dog. And if your garage is cold, you know, maybe have a crate for him or something that with the door open or make him a den where there's plenty of nice blankets and, uh, you know, he should be okay. And if there's some way that you can put a safe heater in there at night um, that your dog that you can't actually get to, um, but it heats, then then that's then, then do that. Okay. Um, your dog, I think, is suffering from cognitive decline, which is very normal in elderly pets. 15 is very old. I have a 15-year-old lab right now, and uh, she she does. She will just stare. She will just stare at things, and uh, she gets a little confused, exactly like uh, cognitive decline in humans when they get uh, elderly. And you'll see that, obviously, as you're experiencing, that night patterns change, that actually dogs can be quite can get quite anxious at night. And whether it's because they uh, don't hear as well, they don't see as well, um, then maybe their circadian rhythms are, are a little bit off and they don't maybe sleep so well, they pace a lot. Um, I say he paces a lot at night. I let her. I let her do this. I let her tell me what she needs. And I think that's what you need to do as well. Don't worry about it. Anxiety meds, don't worry about it. Um, just go with the flow, I think, with this one. Make her as comfortable as possible. Allow your dog to choose where your dog wants to go. Sorry, was that a male or female dog? Um, I think it was a... It says, uh, I'm looking, he, he I think. Sorry. It's a, yes. So, yeah, let him, him, let him, uh, let him sort of do what, what he wants to do, right? That's You don't need medication for that. And, you know, it sounds like it's very much like people, they get what's called sundowner's disease. It's the same thing that happens to humans where at night they get anxious, there's a lot of anxiety, there's sleeplessness, you know, and, and our circadian rhythms change too. Mm-hmm. If you ever talk to somebody who's getting older, they don't sleep as much at night and they're up, you know, many times. So it's natural, I guess. 
Okay, uh, one more. Time for yes, one more. And this is it. Chris in the UK. And Chris says, we have a rescue Jack Russell who came with a long list of problems. Mm. We've sorted all of them out. Good for you. Apart from in the morning, he's so excited to go out for a walk, but won't let me put a harness on him without barking and biting it and me. Hmm. It's the same with the lead, which he jumps and bites whilst barking. It says here, whilst. I didn't make that up. Yeah. Was not no, trying that's to how we you. say it. Yeah, yeah whilst. Well, Okay. Sounds lovely. <laughs> Whilst barking and also attacks me when I want to put a coat on and shoes. Once out, he calms down after a while and I have a really well-behaved dog until the next day or I go to put a coat on. Have read up and tried everything to no avail. Help. Yeah. Um, mm. Do you have a back garden? Because it's in the UK, we say garden. Do you have a back garden that you can just let your dog out and run around and get all of that sort of that extra energy out before you put that lead on? Then... Um, then do that and then your dog can toilet outside and stuff but yeah this is just excitement and um, I have a chihuahua as well who kind of gets so excited that she redirects and starts nipping at my chocolate lab as they're walking out to begin with so I I kind of I feel yeah I I understand what you're going through so here's what you have to do and you do it in a time where it's not the time when the dog is excited you bring the lead out or his harness out and you wait you literally do nothing you let him jump up and down you let him bite at it a little bit you don't do nothing until he's calm and then you put the harness on now if you put the harness on he starts biting the harness you just you just pick it up again and you just stand there don't do anything just wait for calm and you keep doing that keep doing that until you've got the lead on and you're out the door and the dog is calm i'm not talking about completely chilled out i'm just saying not jumping up and biting at anything um and so that you do that at the times when you're you know the dog not not in the morning right when the as a sort of training thing so that it's really good and the dog knows what to do so that by the time you know when you're doing it in the morning the dog is more able to kind of pick it up and understand what you want. Basically, you're just not reinforcing that crazy behavior with putting on the harness and putting on the leash. Humans are very ritualistic. Dogs get to know our habits very, very quickly. And that's what your dog has. Your dog has learned that, um, you know, getting excited and jumping up and nipping gets a harness and a lead put on and then get, he gets taken out for a walk. So, you know, they, Jack Russells, they have, they're very feisty. They've got great personalities. And, uh, yeah, and I'm, congratulations, I have to say. Thank you, A, for rescuing. And also, well done for working on the other issues that he's had. But um, this one, hopefully, you'll be able to, you'll be able to crack as well. Another podcast comes to an end. I love this episode. I, I really did. I, I just, you know. I, I learned a lot. Yeah, I know. That's I, great. I think, you know, what I love about TV as well is that it's like this, the show is it's educational mm-hmm. as well as you can learn stuff. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and Travis is very kind saying that he learned everything um, from watching me. But, you know, Truth. right back at you, Travis, because I learned stuff by watching you, too. And I think as a trainer, all of us trainers, regardless of how long we do things, all of us trainers learn and we all learn from each other. Yeah, it's true. So. We, every day we learn something, right? What was the word I learned last podcast? When you said something was odd, oh, quit differing oh, or something? I don't know. It sounded like something from <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> I forgot. Apparently, I didn't learn it that well. No, you but didn't learn it. Yes. I forgot. I did it. use it a couple times after. And squiffy. Then just, squiffy. There you go. It's squiffy. a bit squiffy. Things That's are just a bit off. That's it's a bit <laughs> squiffy. It's like you can have a picture's on a wall and it's, it's not, you know, it's not dead. It's a little squiffy. Right. No? But you can. It's not. No. 
but you can get away with that because it's like sometimes I think you make these up. I don't so know. Don't. I, you don't like because no. you know. Oh, we use that in England. Like you know. So I'm going to start saying stuff. And you're like, we don't say that in England. I just wanted right. to repeat it. But you know, for me to say, hey, I like your picture. It's a little squiffy. <laughs> like it doesn't. It doesn't really have the same effect. But um. But at least I learned it right, and maybe now I'll remember. Yeah, it. I would like everybody listening to use squiffy at least ten times <laughs> until the next <laughs> podcast. Okay. Ah, oh, dear. What? She's looking at me like I'm a little squiffy. Yeah, What's the problem? Little, you are squiffy. But uh, hey, it's okay. Squiffy is good. <laughs> squiffy will be back next podcast with you. So have a good time and uh, and uh, walk your dogs. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.